1: To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here's our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor.
2: Just say the word from wherever you are and the whole universe will be healed he'll be healed and that happened. But that wasn't what Jairus was was thinking. Jairus was thinking, no, 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 no. He's got to come to my house. He's got to lay his hand on my daughter. And uh, of course he didn't, because he just had healed the centurion servant without doing that. But what's interesting here is how the Lord is playing along. He plays along, okay. He's thinking, if that is the faith that Cyrus has, that I have to come to his house, that I have to lay my hand on his daughter, then I'll go along with it. I'll go to the house. I'll lay my hand on the daughter. I'll heal her. And what's interesting here is that the Lord didn't straighten out Jairus. He didn't, he didn't correct him and say, he say, Jairus, 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 haven't you heard that I healed the centurion's servant without going to his house, without touching his servant? Jairus, I don't need to come to your house and lay my hand on your daughter. I can heal her right now. He doesn't do that. It's very interesting. He goes along with, it's so interesting because it shows how the Lord works with us. He works with us with what we believe because the Lord wants to bring us from faith to higher faith, from faith to faith, from a higher faith to a higher faith. Just as the apostles asked the Lord in Luke 17, 5, Luke 17, 5, the apostles said unto the Lord, increase our faith. Jairus, if you think I have to come to your house and lay, your hand, uh, lay my hand, okay, I'll do that but increase our faith. So the faith of Jairus, it needed to be increased. Our faith needs to be increased over his belief that the Lord needed to come there with his hand and lay it on his daughter. And the response in verse 19, and this is the amazing thing how the Lord's playing along. Verse 19, Jesus arose and followed him, and so did his disciples. So that was the first behold, which is the surprise word in verse 18. Surprise, surprise. Here's Jairus. Now comes the next, behold, the next surprise in verse 20. He's on his way to Jairus' house, and behold, a woman which was diseased with an issue of blood 12 years came behind him and touched the hem of his garden. Garment there. So now we have more details again about this woman as we look in the parallel passage, Mark 5, Mark 5, 24, Mark 5, 24. More information. Touch but his clothes, I shall be whole. And straightway the fountain of her blood was dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of that plague. So, this is a woman who was diseased, it says. She has an uncontrolled bleeding. It's been going on for 12 years already. It's not just uh, 12 years. It started at the time, like we said, when the daughter of Jairus was born, and it's, it hasn't stopped. And she's gone to many doctors for help, she's paid out a lot of money, she's paid all her money for those doctors, and she's in a state of poverty right now, and the doctors have not been successful. They've not made her better, but she's, it actually says she's gotten worse since she's been under the care of all those doctors. <laughs> I won't say anything. Anyway, this woman represents a typical person who has had high hopes for, that a cure, that they'll get a cure, But all those hopes have been dashed into a state of disappointment. She's like people today who have completed chemotherapy and they ring the bell at the infusion center. And there's such a clinging to that term, cancer free. I'm free of cancer, which is the same as saying cancer gone. It's the same as saying cancer never again. And that's the hope that many have when they go into remission, but that when their remission doesn't hold, It all comes to a disappointment of of hope. I've been there, I rang that bell, and I watched other people ring that bell. And this is what this woman represents, a disappointment of hope for a cure. And every time she went to a new physician, a new hope was born. This doctor's different. This doctor knows something that none of the other doctors knows. This doctor has a special medicine. This doctor has a special diet. This doctor has a special therapy that's going to be a cure. And for each one of those doctors, that hope has come crashing down in disappointment. And she refused to believe that there was just no hope for a cure for her issue of blood. Reminds me of the Iraqis at Grossmont Hospital when I used to Volunteer on the board there for 11 years. And we used to, we were told what's going on at Grossmont Hospital there with the, you know, East County is really called Middle East County, right? Got all the Iraqis there. And they would come, you know, when a family member would be sick. And sometimes, you know, it's a small room. It's a hospital room, right? Sometimes 50 people would come. It's like, uh, (laughs) they're in the hall, they're in the room, they're everywhere. And sometimes if a person is terminal, uh, the Iraqis uh, sometimes would not accept that the doctor could not heal their loved one. And there was actually some uh, points of violence. They would grab the doctor. You must uh, cure my loved one where he won't accept that he can die. So again, hope that's disappointed for that the cure didn't come. So she's in a state of poverty. She paid out all the money. And um, and that represents people today too. If it's going to be food or pharmaceutical that you're going to buy. So This woman though is not ready to give up. She's not ready to accept her fate of having this issue of blood for the rest of her life. Oh no, she's tenacious. She's a fighter. She's determined to be healed. And so what happens next happens very, very quickly, very rapidly. She sees the crowd. She looks at the crowd, she sees Jesus. She sees this prominent uh, Jairus leading him to his house. And when she sees that, she says, this is my opportunity. This is it, this is a, And she quickly hatches a plan. And you might call her plan the come from behind plan. And she's hatched the plan because she believes that the Lord has mercy and help available for her. She believes that. It reminds me, just like a little boy in uh, Wales, in Cardiff, Wales. Right now, down by the docks in Cardiff is very nice area. It's very upscale, but it didn't used to be that way. Cardiff is a mining town. And it was where poor people lived down there. So this little boy lived down there by the dock with his mother. And they were very, very poor. And he was dying. He was laying on his bed. He was dying. And the mother was just beside herself. And she came to her little boy and she said, son, is it all right? Is it all right, son? Is it all right? And as he's dying, is it all right? And her son said, oh, yes, mommy. Yes, Jesus has grace for me now. He'll take care of me. That's what he said. And the mother was a very cynical woman, and she said to the boy, Jesus, she said to the boy, her son, Jesus, he's too busy for taking care of people like us. We're poor people. He doesn't have time for us. And the little boy says, no, mommy, he says, Jesus has plenty for everyone. That's what he says. Jesus has plenty for everyone. That's the position of this woman. She's poor. She spent all her money on these, these doctors. Here's Jairus, big prominent. Of course, he's going to go with Jairus, but she believes, no, Jesus has plenty for me, even me. And that's what drove her to seek help from the Lord. And so she has decided, unlike Jairus, not to interrupt, not to get in front, not to be like some we're going to come to in a minute, yelling out, Jesus, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. He's not, she's not going to do that. Jesus, Jesus, have mercy on me. I have an issue of blood. She's not going to do that. She's not going to get in front of the the Lord. She's not going to fall down in in front of him and worship him like Jairus. No, no, no. She's decided to come up from behind and touch his clothes. It happens to be the hem of his garment. And she's decided that if she does that, that'll heal her. Jairus has begged the Lord to put his hand on her daughter. She said, I don't need the hand. I just need my hand. I don't need his hand. I just need my hand to touch his garment. She's decided this. It's not necessary for the Lord to touch her. She's decided it's only necessary for her to touch his clothes, and that's all her decision, and that'll be enough. So her plan is hatched, and then she waits for the Lord to just a moment when the Lord and Jairus have passed by. She springs into action. She gets into the crowd of people who are following the Lord, and shes you can see her. She's kind of like you know, whittling her way forward, between these two people and that two people, excuse me, pardon me, or maybe she doesn't say excuse me, she just pushes, I don't know. But anyway, she gets closer to the Lord and then finally she sees him from the rear and she creeps forward. She, now she's close enough to make her move. She's got a trembling hand. It's shaking as she's reaching forward with a fingertip to just touch, just, just catch it, his garment. She doesn't know it's gonna be the hem, it's gonna be the garment someplace. She's petrified with fear her hand's shaking, and she manages to just catch the hem of his garment, and just before she touches the hem of his garment, she says something in herself that no one else can hear. In verse 21, verse 21, it says, she said within herself, if I might touch, if I may touch his garment, I shall behold. That's what she's saying as she's reaching forward, and we can see her just closing her eyes and repeating that to herself as she reaches forward If I may but touch his garment, I shall be whole. And she does. And as soon as she touches the garment, she's healed, and then she shrinks away. She draws back. She's back. She shrinks back into the crowd. She's hoping the crowd will be like a sea and just engulf her. So so it'll be quickly lost, it'll be not known. What a picture that is. What a picture that is at that point when she is shrinking back. What a picture that is of a person who, He just wants to be saved from hell, that's all. He doesn't want any other part of a program. He doesn't want anything like giving himself in an unconditional surrender to the Lord Jesus. Are you kidding? I just want to be saved from hell. He just prays a quick prayer of salvation and then doesn't want to go to a church. Are you kidding? He doesn't want to be associated with other believers. That's this woman. That's this woman here. She's reached out her hand for deliverance and then she's drawn back hoping to be lost in this sea of humanity that's following the Lord. But, and this is a big but, but the Lord is not going to let this woman get lost in the sea of humanity. Oh no, no, no. With the crowd thronging the Lord and the all-seeing Lord, he not only saw her trembling hand without looking, but he saw her heart that was retreating from the Lord, that she was shrinking back into the crowd and he would not let her do it. And so with a quick motion, he does a complete about face in verse 22. But Jesus turned him about and the details of of that move are further elaborated in Mark 530, Mark 530, 530. And Jesus immediately knowing in himself that virtue had gone out of him, turned him about in the press and said, who touched my clothes? And his disciples said unto him, thou seest the multitude thronging thee and sayest thou, who touched me? (laughs) And and he looked round about. He didn't even answer them. He looked round about to see her that had done this thing. But the woman, fearing and trembling, she's shaking like a leaf, knowing knowing what was done in her, came and fell down before him and told him all the truth. And he said unto her, daughter, Thy faith hath made thee whole. Go in peace and be whole of thy plague. Soon as she touched the Lord, the Lord swung around and said, who touched me? The disciples are shocked at the question. They're saying, who touched you? Are you kidding? Multitude is all around you. You ask who touches you? But the Lord is like a hound of heaven. He's like a hound of heaven that won't give up. He won't be detracted from his mission. His mission is to bring this woman out of danger. And at the moment, that woman was in a great danger. She was in the same danger that a person is in today who decides the cost is too much to go on with the Lord. Both this woman and that person today who thinks it's just too much has done what the Bible calls two words, draw back in Hebrews 10, 38, 39. Hebrews 10, 38 through 39. Now the just shall live by faith, but if any man draw back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. But we are not of them that draw back unto perdition, but of them that believe to the saving of the soul. The danger of drawing back is that when a person draws back, the issue is where he's drawing back to. And the Bible makes that clear. It's a drawback to perdition. You know, just picture a person. Picture a person who's, uh, who's, on the edge of a cliff or by a cliff. He's by a cliff, but he's got his back to the cliff. He's facing some other person he doesn't want to be with. And so while he's facing that person he doesn't want to be with, he's backing up towards the cliff. He doesn't see the cliff. He's backing up till finally it's too late and he's shocked to find himself falling down the cliff. He didn't see it. That's the danger of drawing back. It is a Hebrews 10, 39 draw back unto perdition as God has no pleasure in the person who draws back. And people today who make a move toward the Lord and then see the cost and then draw back from the Lord, they have no idea the cliff's behind them and they're about to fall into hell. They, all they know is, oh, this Jesus stuff, that's not for me. Till finally it's too late and they die in their sins and they're, they're shocked to find themselves falling into hell. Now, the Lord Jesus, as we said, he's like the hound of heaven. He's not gonna sit back. He's not gonna sit back and see this woman draw back. So he swings around and he's on the hunt. He's on the hunt for this woman because he sees this. she's gonna be lost in a state of drawing back. Matthew 5.31, Matthew 5.31, who touched me? And he looked around about to see her that had done this thing. He speaks and the hunt for her also is explained in another parallel passage, Luke 8.45, Luke 8.45. Jesus said, who touched me? When all denied, Peter and they that were with him said, "Master, the multitude thronged there, impressed thee, and, and sayest thou who touched me?" And Jesus said, "Somebody hath touched me. I perceive that virtue has gone out of me." And the woman saw that she was not hid. She came trembling and falling down before him. She declared unto him before all the people, for what cause she had touched him and how she was healed immediately. So this passage is very important. Luke eight forty seven. Luke eight forty seven, because it says. When the woman saw that she was not hid, she came trembling, falling down before him. She declared unto him before all the people for what cause she had touched him and how she was healed. So when she did that, the Lord is very happy, very happy because he had saved her from the danger of drawing back over the cliff into hell. Now the woman thought, before this, the woman thought her greatest problem in life was this issue of blood that was she thought that was the biggest thing she thought her the greatest blessing that she could get in life was to be healed from this blood but the lord saw things differently the lord saw that her greatest problem was that she was drawing back into perdition the lord saw that the greatest blessing that she could receive was to have her confess him so that he could confess her as a daughter to the father and to the angels so what it says here in Luke eight forty-seven, very important words when it says she declared unto him before all the people, before all the people, she declared before all the people what her problem was that drove her to the Lord and how she touched the Lord and, the, and how the Lord instantly healed her. And that public declaration was her story. It was her story. That public declaration was her testimony. And that public declaration of her story saved her because that public declaration of how she put her faith in the Lord Jesus assured that the Lord was going to do what he promised he would do in Matthew 10.32, Matthew 10.32, when the Lord said, "'Whosoever, therefore, shall confess me before men.'" That's what she did. "'Him will I confess also before the Father, my Father which is in heaven. But whosoever shall deny me before men, him will I also deny before my Father which is in heaven.'" That's why it's so important for a person to make a public declaration of how they put their faith in the Lord Jesus. That's why Billy Graham ended each one of his stadium sermons. You know what I'm talking about? You've heard him. And with an encouragement, every person who has trusted Christ in this crusade said, please, you have to get up out of your stadium seat. You have to walk down the 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 aisles. You have to come onto the field. You have to walk across the field. You got to get up, stand up for Jesus, be seen. Be seen by your family. Be seen by your friends who come to the stadium. Get up and walk and be on display. And then bow your heads as I'm going to have a prayer with you, as he said. And he always explained why he did that. Billy Graham always explained. He said, I'm asking you to do that, he would say, because everyone in the Bible who put their faith in the Lord, trust, made a public declaration. And this is your chance to get up in this stadium, walk down that aisle, cross that field. And, And that's the reason it was so important for this woman to make her public declaration in front of all those people. And that's why those words before men was so important because the Lord wanted her to be saved. And the way of salvation is Romans 10 and 9. Romans 10 and 9, a favorite verse of mine. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture saith, whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. Not be ashamed. Like the hymn says, Jesus and shall it ever be. Jesus and shall it ever be a mortal man ashamed of thee ashamed of thee whom angels praise, whose glories shine through endless days. This woman was ashamed. She was afraid, but she wasn't ashamed. In Mark 5.33, the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what was done in her, came and fell down before him and told him all the truth. She was afraid, but she wasn't ashamed. She was trembling, but she wasn't ashamed as she made her public declaration of what the Lord did for her. Now the Lord saw her there fallen down before him. He saw her shaking like a leaf, terrified, petrified, fearful. And the Lord spoke very kindly to her in verse 22. In verse 22, the Lord turned him about, and when he saw her, he said, Daughter, be of good comfort. Thy faith hath made thee whole. And the woman was made whole from that hour. So he calls her daughter. Well, he was never married. He didn't have any physical daughters. But he calls her daughter daughter. A daughter is very special to a father, all right? What do I know? I raised three sons, but anyway. <laughs> but, but I imagine that a daughter is very special to a father. <laughs> if you want to know, ask Clint. He's got a whole slew of them. Anyway, a daughter is not like a son for a father because a daughter is more delicate. A daughter is more vulnerable, more than a son. You know, I, we were... My sons were raised on a, a ranch with 300 goats. You know, my sons were like, you know, get up in the morning, go feed the goats, go clean up the cages, the pens, and, and, uh, and water them and do everything else, and then we'll sit down and eat meat. Anyway, but uh, <laughs> more than a son, and I always wondered to myself, what would it have been like if I had a daughter on that ranch? I think she would have been crushed. But anyway, my poor wife, she went to an early grade because of that, four boys. Anyway. More than a son, a father protects his his daughter. More than a son, a father shelters his daughter. More than a son, a father defends his daughter.
1: Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org.